0: We are live, and it is good to see you all. Welcome. I'm glad you're here to, to worship the living God with us. My name is Nate, uh, the pastor here at Hope Church, and I see a lot of familiar faces if there are any of you uh, visiting either here um, on Zoom, because you've a friend invited you, or online and Facebook. Welcome. We're glad you're here. I'd love to connect with you somehow. If you could shoot me a message on on Facebook. We we want to connect with you even as much as we're able in the midst of these uh, crazy times. We're on like week 12, I think. I'm starting to lose count. June's next week, like tomorrow already, so time's flying by. (laughs) Um, But we do. We want to connect with you. I've got a couple announcements before we begin our worship service, as is our, our custom. Uh, first, just got some good news it's always good to start with good news I want to say congratulations to Nick Cutler. He officially is a two thousand and twenty RTS Jackson graduate He has his master's in counseling um, I can share his graduation ceremony it's up on it's up on youtube but it, it's an exciting He's he's been through two years of a lot of classes, a lot of reading, 400 hours in a counseling room. Um, I think a quarter of those he had to do on a screen because of the the, the pandemic shutdown. So th- this is, it's an accomplishment. So we're, we're happy for the Cutler family and for Nick and look forward to see what, what God will do in him and lead where he will lead him. Uh, God willing, he'll be with us next week to, to give an update and where he'll. Where he's hoping to be, or at least how to pray for him. Uh, second, we're, there's not a whole lot going on, but there is a lot going on in our own lives, and so we are grateful that Terry Cornick's surgery has seemingly gone well. She's no longer in in the pain that she was. So, uh, Jim, please, please send our our love to Terry. We're glad she's healing. Uh, we are. I know many of the times when I've talked to people this week. The question is, when are we going to get back together? When are we opening up? And we are still in a holding pattern waiting for the all clear. Uh, it's, right now, we're only encouraged to get together in groups of 10 or less. So so we're waiting. because so we want. It's going to be different when we get back together, but we want to be able to do this well. And so while we wait, it's just an encouragement and a reminder of what what Jeremiah says to work for and pray for the well-being the welfare of our communities thinking about our neighbors thinking about our small businesses thinking about people with conversations we can have when we come out Um, pray for our neighbors because it's as as Jeremiah 29 7 says as you pray for the shalom the the well-being the flourishing of your community there you will find your shalom and well-being and it's also a good reminder, too, as we transition to worship, um, this has been a hard week for many people in our community There's a lot of grief there's a lot of anger over the tragic death of of George Floyd um, I think even in Albany there was there were violent protests last night mm. and so continue to pray um, we pray like. We pray for Amos 5 to become a reality, that, that that justice would roll down like waters and righteousness like ever-flowing streams for all who are made in the image of God and, and especially among the people of God. And so we're grieving. And, and if you want to talk about these things and you're, you need to talk about these things, I would be happy to, to set up a time to do that because it's just been a heavy week. And yeah, so with that, It's good to hear Jesus's words. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, weary, worn out, exhausted. And he promises I will give you rest. And so that's what we're going to do here as we begin our worship. So take a moment now, a moment of silence and peace to ask that God would help you hear his voice today. All right, I think, Steve Turner, if you're connected, I will turn it over to you. Not seeing Steve, I know they were having trouble earlier. All right, can, can you all, can you see the order of worship? All right, I see some nodded heads. All right, well, let's let's come now and, and worship our God. We're going to use these words from Psalm 68 and Ephesians 2. It says, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up, who carries us. God is our salvation, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Show us now the immeasurable riches of your grace and kindness towards us in Christ, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray together. Father, our God, we thank you for this abundance of, of riches and kindness of your grace towards us in your son Jesus. And, and so my so much of our lives are, are lived um, just unaware of how wealthy we are in, in, in our, your son. And so I pray today that as we, we thank you for thinking of us while we were still your enemies, while we were still angry with you, while we were still walking in our own ways, doing whatever it is we wanted, not having a thought or care about your will or your ways. And even then you sent your son, Jesus, to pursue us even to death on a cross and then to unite us in him and his resurrection to be a part of your family. And so I pray as these realities wash over us afresh today, we would explode in praise, we would leave here in joy, we would leave here rejoicing in the peace we have found in Christ, that you are not mad at us, uh, that indeed nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, and pray you would send us out as as Isaiah promised with with your light shining in us. with a noonday brightness in, in the darkness, that that as we, we already said today, Lord, that the justice would roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream because Christ is with us and we have been moved by grace to love our neighbors as ourselves and to, to worship the Son, Jesus. So use the prayers to unite us to Christ, use the, the singing to join us um, in union with him, that we would know your love, the heights, the depths, the lengths, the, the, the breadth, that is greater than we can imagine. And that would be a comfort, a challenge, and maybe even change us, Lord, that it would, be, would, be, would correct us today as we see Jesus in a different light. So Holy Spirit, come and do your work of sanctification, of making us yours and making us look like yours today through all that we do. And then say in Jesus' name, Amen. Let's sing. I'll worship the king and I'll turn it over to John. Thank you. Let's sing together. Turn it over to Jim who's going to lead us in prayer for one another yeah
1: good morning everybody uh as been spoken of that we're so thankful for uh, Terry's uh, relief of pain uh now we're from her excruciating uh back injury and uh now for healing for her and then uh uh, also the, as uh, Sally had informed us, uh, that, uh, there was a close call with this, uh, tornado that came up through their area and we're thankful that, uh, no one in, in, uh, the, in their area was hurt, uh, other than some trees. I know there was a lot of, a lot of brush and trees that needed to be taken care of. So we're thankful for God's grace there as well. Um, this week we had uh, we had uh, Pat Turner had a birthday, so we wanted to say happy birthday to Pat, and then uh, this week is the uh, Roderick and Febby's uh, wedding anniversary, so we want to say happy uh, anniversary to them as well. Um, so what I uh wanted to uh, read this morning is something as a prayer for us uh, as we think of. Uh, the the church, as we think of our church, Hope Church, and what God has uh, given to us in his word. And from Psalm 119, he says in verse 33 and through 40, he says, teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts in your righteousness. Give me life. So let's pray together. Dear gracious God and Father, we thank you for another day today that we have been given to uh, look outside and thank you for the beautiful day that we see the sky and and the sun and we're thankful for this season that is coming upon us as we think of spring and uh, summer and uh, how this all naturally turns by your order, Lord, uh, into a time of, of birth and, and uh, rebirth and uh, flourishing. And we realize, Lord, that from your your word and from your testimonies, as we've just read, we realize that we've been given this new life in Christ, a new, whole new birth, that we now see things differently and And we pray that as we see from nature, but more from your word and your desire and your promise and your work in our lives, your people who do love you and have been given this new birth, we pray that, Father, uh, that we would flourish. Uh, We would flourish by being righteous and by desiring to reflect the image that we now bear of Christ. Uh, We all bear in the image of our Creator, and uh, we we pray, Father, that as we walk in the world, that we would uh, recognize that image that is born by everyone that is uh, out and uh, walking in this earth this day. And Lord, we pray that as uh, we hear rhetoric uh, throughout our country, that Father, that we would be called to a higher voice and a higher calling and a greater desire as the psalmist tells us a desire for righteousness in our life uh, bearing the fruit of that image of christ that lord we pray that you would help us to be the change makers that we can be by virtue of living a life that uh, uh, you desire for us and that was reflected in christ Lord, we realize that that is not what keeps us in your love. Uh, but we realize that it is a direct consequence and response to the love that we've already received. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us when we see this violence and we see all the things that are going on, and we pray uh, that we realize that there has been injustice and we realize, Lord, that there has been all these things going on for years and we pray that there would be... Uh, uh a spirit within us that is indignant of uh, uh uh of what goes on the evil that goes on with people against other people and even governments against other governments and lord we we thank you for giving us a heart that wants to change that and wants to be uh, someone who uh, as you taught us jesus to be peacemakers bring people who uh, Not only deter evil, but also bring the gospel of peace to to the world around us and we we thank you for giving us those words. And the eternity of those words that we're not longing and looking for just bringing some short term peace in the life of people here on earth, even though we desire to do that, but Lord, we pray that you would give us the long term look of of that. There is a love, Lord, that you desire for us to have, but we realize that if we are not right with you, Lord, then we deserve the justice from you. And so we pray that you would impress that upon our hearts as we think about all the terms that are flying around us uh, from the media and from uh, the uh, conversations and from the social media and from places where people just pontificate and people just emote uh we just pray father that you would give us the ears to hear your voice and and desire for your statutes as we've read this morning and so lord we we pray that you would be with us as we walk in the world that we would be the people that desire to look like jesus and to bear the the words of christ and to bear the gospel of christ in our lives so Lord, thank you for this week for uh keeping us safe and um, thank you, Lord, for keeping uh the inheritance that we are longing for for all eternity that you are keeping it in heaven for us, and uh Lord, we know that there is no greater safe in the world that can hold that precious uh, uh reward and that precious treasure than you lord so we thank you for that so may we rest and may we rejoice in knowing that uh, we are experiencing now uh salvation and that we are experiencing a uh this the recipient and recipients of this uh great faith and relationship that we've had with you that you have done for us and now lord uh as we've been called to be obedient we pray that we will do this for your glory. So Lord, we pray that you'll give us the eyes to rejoice with those who rejoice as we talked about birthdays and anniversaries and healings and, and making it through storms and surgery. Lord, we thank you for that. We pray, Father, that you would give us opportunities this week to be able to hear your voice and to see the Spirit's work in our life as you open doors and opportunities for us to be able to be the image of Christ, And to give them, for to give those who whom you open the door for, to uh, be able to uh, give an answer for the hope that lies within us. So, Father, we pray uh, again that this day of this day of rest, this Sabbath, would again refresh us, would again open our eyes to the blessings that we have already, but longing for the blessings that we will have for all eternity. So we ask you to keep us whole, keep. Your church, Hope Church, together in love with one another, in love with you, and to be the people who desire to love in a way you desire us to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. I'll ask Stan Tristic to uh, to read Isaiah 61 our confession of faith this morning.
2: I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom, he decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprout, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch, Nations shall see, shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord in a royal diadem in the land in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, your land shall no more be termed desolate but you shall be called my delight is in her and your land married for the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. That
0: kindness that of God that is so surprising that he will has promised to rel- relentlessly change us he wants us to be righteous but we first have to admit we're not so Brandon will you lead us in our confession
3: let's pray Heavenly Father, we come to you now, our lives hidden in Christ Jesus. Remind us now that your delight in dwelling with those, contrite in, with those contrite in heart and broken in spirit. Help us hear your commands to change as what it is, a gift of your work in us. Altogether, put to death therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, anger wrath, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. mouth. Do not lie Do to, lie one, to another. one another. Seeing that you have so put, you put off put the off old the self and practices, practices and put on the new, the new self, which is, being, is renewed being renewed in knowledge, knowledge after the image, the of, the image the of the creator. Lord, I confess with my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus that I need help in putting off my old self. Use our confession to increase our knowledge of you and to increase our desire to be transformed in the image of Jesus. May the righteousness of Jesus in us shine like the noonday brightness and draw others to faith in the gospel. Amen. Take time now to pray confidently to Jesus, our great high priest, whose desire it is to give us help in our time of need. All right, we'll turn now to our time of teaching with the kids. Um, I can see, let's see if I who I can find on on kids. Oh, that's David and Ray and Sally. And nice to see you all. Sorry, I'm scrolling through my screen.
2: <laughs>
3: hey, there's at least my children. Uh, well, um, it's good to be with you all this morning. It's nice to see all, all of your faces. And it was really nice to chat before the service. Um, So for those kids that are here, we've been learning the Lord's Prayer. So the part of the Lord's Prayer that we come to now is about daily bread. And bread, why is Jesus talking about bread? The part that we're going to learn today is give us today our daily bread. Hey, Connor. Give us today our daily bread is what we're going to talk about. And the what I think of when I pray this, and what I would like you guys to think of when you're praying this, is something that Jesus talked about just after he taught his disciples how to pray this prayer. Um, in Matthew 6, if you want to look in your Bibles, he taught the Lord's Prayer, and then he talked about it afterward. And starting in verse 25, he starts to talk about worry. And this is what I think of when I think of daily bread. And I'll just read the, I'll read 25 and following. He says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not Are you not of much more value than they? And I'm sitting here, I'm with my parents uh, at their house, and I'm sitting here and I see all of these birds all through their backyard. I won't try to turn the camera on because it'll be too small for you to see. But there are birds flying everywhere. So I'd like to hear you guys talk about, this is Jesus talking about birds. Why was he talking about birds? What do you think? Connor, Edmund, Teddy, those anybody else that's on? Why was Jesus talking about birds and their food? (laughs) You don't know? Okay. Jesus says, "Look at the birds. Do they do they have a refrigerator that they go to to get their food? Do they have a barn that they store all of their grain in or raise animals to eat? No, they don't." God feeds them every day. Every day they fly around and they find their food. There's a bird here at the feeder right now. That bird didn't think about where he was going to get his next meal. He just came and he found it because God is feeding him and taking care of him. And what Jesus said and what he wants us to remember when we, when we pray, give us today our daily bread, is that you are much more valuable than those birds and that you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry what you're going to eat what you're going to wear, God is going to take care of you. So when you pray this and when I pray this and when, when we all pray this, I want us all to think of how God takes care of us day to day and takes care of the needs that we have every day and that we don't need to worry. And that's what Jesus is telling us in, in this passage in, Ma- in Matthew 6. Don't worry about tomorrow because God is going to feed you. So when we pray, give us today our daily bread, that's what we All right, now, if we can present the Lord's... We'll join together in the Lord's Prayer. So let's say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen
0: thanks Brenda well, if you will turn in your bibles to colossians chapter 3 we're going to continue on, read verses uh, 5 through 11. There was too much here to get through, to get too much further. But what we uh, saw last time is what you get in the gospel is this brand new identity that, that becomes a power in your life. Christ is your life, and you have a you outside of this world that actually makes you stronger and more well-equipped to handle all the good and bad that happens to you here, that you become so heavenly-minded because you're thinking about Christ and where he's taking you, that you do the most earthly good. And so today, I'm calling this sermon, We're Transformed by Grace. This is part one. You could also call this, um, If Christ is Your Life, So What? <laughs> or you could call it spirituality for Mondays. How does believing the gospel change you? What, what, how does having Christ being your life, your identity, how does that affect your behavior? And so that's what we're going to, we're going to read that passage. We're going to talk about the what we need to put off today, and next week we'll talk about putting on their they're part. They, they do go together. Let's read, let's read God's word. It is Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 to 11. It says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And this is God's word, it is true and trustworthy, and he is speaking to us today in love. Let's, let's pray together. Our Father and our God, you are good to all, good to all that you have made, and you have promised, like we've already heard today, that you will make our goodness, our lives, shine like the sun. And so, as Jesus has already told us, uh, we are the light of the world. And so I pray that because of what we talk about today, because of your work in changing us, we would shine brighter and brighter as we understand our identity in Christ, and that others might see it and give you the credit for the change that you have worked in us. And so, Holy Spirit, um, come, teach us, open our eyes, help us now to seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated, who is ruling and reigning and working for our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we at our house have a dress-up bin for the kids where they, at any moment, at any time of the day, can transform themselves into something else. All right? So at any time in our day, you could be visited by Superman, uh, Black Panther. You could be a Ninja Turtle. You could be a princess. You could be a princess and a Ninja Turtle at the same time. Uh, you could dress up like a, a ninja Lego guy. And my, my personal favorite, of course, is our youngest Samson. When he wants to be Spider Man and beat up the bad guys, he says, pow, pow, pow. But he also loves to run around in a pink tutu at the same time, screaming like the Hawk. So he's, he's he's wearing all kinds of identities at the same time. It's very cute. <laughs> but the other day, I was thinking, as I was getting ready for the sermon, I was listening. And, and meditating on this, and, and one of our kids came up and said, "Daddy, I want to be a superhero. Help me put this on." And as soon as he had these new clothes on, uh, this new costume, he was off to save the day, ready to beat up the bad guys. And that's such a great image, I think of what Paul is getting at here in Colossians three is: "You have been given Jesus' clothes. And now with his clothes you live completely differently. Right? You have put on this new self. Uh, with this, these clothes you now have strength and power and abilities and desires and behaviors that you didn't have before. All that comes along with believing in Jesus, right? You're wearing your Jesus clothes now, so what is your life going to look like? Right? You're saved by grace, how will that affect your behavior? And so that's where we're at in our passage in Colossians. You have, he says, if you have been raised with Christ, you have new clothes on. You have a new self. You have been hidden in Christ. Christ is your life. You've been, you have put off the old self. You put on the new self. Therefore, live differently. And so that's what we're going to dive into is that who you are, your identity controls your behavior. We talked about that last week. You can, you can listen to that online. But what Paul is showing you and me today is that who you are and how you live are bound together. And that, that's, that's part of the good news. That God, what, what is God up to today? He is up to changing his people to live like Jesus lived, to love like Jesus loved. That you can't separate salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone from being transformed by that same grace. They come together. And so let's dive in. I want to, I've got three points. Uh, there, there was a ton here. I had to cut some stuff out, but there, there's some really cool stuff here. But first point is you are being changed. Then what, what must we do? We must be killing sin. And, and the last point, our conclusion will be, you can't do this alone. You can't change alone. So first point, if you're following along here, you're being changed. I find this helpful to say, okay, where are we going? All right? And, and verses 9 and 10 show you and tell you what kind of person God is making you through your faith in Jesus. He says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self put on and put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So what is happening to you when you follow Jesus? There's something that has happened that there was an old you, and now there is a new you, an old self, a new self. And and I I think it's helpful to to think about this translation of self as man, as human. Right, Because Paul is talking about creation and new creation. But regardless, this is what Paul is saying is happening to every Christian. You are being renewed after the image of your creator. You're being made to look like your creator. There's a transformation process at work right now. That to become a Christian, to become a Jesus follower, is not to go from just bad to good or from moral failure to moral winner. Um, It's it's a transformation into something completely new and different, Uh, that that you look like Jesus, right? So think about it this way. If we're thinking about self as, as human, as someone like Adam, just as Adam in Genesis was transformed from dust to be being made human, something completely different after the image of God, now we in Jesus are being transformed from our old self, Obsessed selves into a new Jesus-centered human. Somebody who actually cares about what God thinks here on earth. Uh, to look like Jesus. And if you picture, I mean, this is trying to put into words well, that God is making you new. You are new, and now he's forming you into what he's made you. Right, or you're you're wearing your Jesus clothes, and now you're going to grow into them. Yeah. And so, if you just compare the difference between dust and being human, right? Compare then the difference between being a sinful self to to someone who's going to be like Jesus. That kind of transformation. You get an upgrade (laughs) when you become a Christian. Right. But the grace that saved you is the same grace that is changing you. And that is super encouraging. This is, this is where Paul is taking us in this letter of how the gospel is changing you. right? Okay? Well, the, the kind of fruit that happens when you believe. Whose image are you being transformed into? Well, look at it. It says, after your creator. So, according to Colossians 1, Jesus... God's beloved Son, by whom all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, all things were created through him and for him. right So you got that idea of Paul saying, you are being renewed and changed into the image of Jesus. You're going to look like him. That's what God is that's what God is up to right now. He, he is working so that you and I would look like that we would think like right after knowledge, that you would love like, that you would hate your sin and injustice, just like Jesus, all because you are in Christ. As you find your life hidden in Christ, the bonus, (laughs) the things that come along with that are are transformation. You get to learn a whole new way of being human, one where you act and live like God on earth. And so I find this super helpful. This is where you're going. This is what God is up to. He is renewing us. He does not leave you alone to fix yourself after saving us. This is an intimate process, right? This is if you are saved by grace, you're being sanctified by grace. It's so cool. And so just think about that. I don't know how you conceive of the Christian life. We're going to do some doctrine some thinking here because we're being renewed in knowledge. I mean, so many of us functionally live like the Christian life involves this. God forgives me. He forgave everything. Christ is now my life. But now I've got all these things that need change, and it's up to me to fix me. i gotta, I got to team up with God so that, that he doesn't leave me alone. Yeah. i got to shape up because God forgave me. Right, where we think of God, salvation being God's doing, and sanctification, uh, while well, God's work being transformed, that's on me. i got to do the work. Right, and at this point, if I had an air horn, I would use it and say, ain't wrong. <laughs> that's not what Paul is saying because he's saying you are being renewed. God is at work in you. Someone else is renewing you. To be renewed, it's, it's a passive verb. It's, it's one of those good news verbs. Grammar is, grammar is encouraging. God is changing you. God is more interested in, in us changing than we are, and, and you get that. It's just in that little phrase, you are being renewed after the image of your creator. Okay. So the way we think about this, uh, our, our denominational standards, a summary of Christian teaching, the Westminster Shorter Catechism says this. This, is, this describes God's work of change in you. It says, Sanctification is the work of God's free grace. So, did you hear that? Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, where we are renewed in the whole man, our whole humanity, humanity, after the image of God, and enabled more and more to die into sin and live unto righteousness. So, this is just Part of what the scriptures teach, what the gospel is doing, you are being changed. And whatever progress you make as a Christian, it's because God has been at work in the past, and you can rejoice in his goodness and his grace to you. So do you have that category of, of yeah, you're, you're putting in the work, you're trying to kill your sin. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. But this is all part of the package of believing the gospel is God's going to change you. I love the, the story of Michelangelo's David. I don't know if you've seen the picture uh, of this massive 17-foot tall marble sculpture that began as just one big, giant, ugly piece of rock, right? It was known as the giant. It was misshapen. It wasn't right. And in fact, some artists had already started on it, and they, they just tapped out. They gave up. Michelangelo, unlike all the other artists around, saw beauty hidden within this piece of rock. And for three years, we're told, he labored to transform this rock into this massive, majestic work of art, David with a sling slung over his shoulder, about to go to war against Goliath. It's a good picture of what Paul's talking about here. God chooses the unlikely because of his grace, and he begins the lifelong work of transforming us into the image. He's sculpting us into the image of our creator. And he is content to work a long time. Because you're in Christ, because you're connected to Jesus, he will not stop until that work is complete. Until the beauty you can't even see yet, that you don't even know is in there because Christ is in you. Until that comes out. So do you believe that? <laughs> All right, what do you think about change? Do you believe that change is possible? I mean, don't you want this kind of gift, this kind of reality where God is not content to leave you alone until you change? I mean, think about the, the ridiculous number. I mean, I'm thinking about myself. The number of resolutions I've started and tapped out on because it was just too hard. And yet God promises, I will not give up. On changing you, the way you give up on changing you, you are being renewed. It's present tense. It comes. That's part of being in Christ, right? And this is an unparalleled hope for change. You will not find this kind of hope for people, for human nature, within the Christian doctrine, All right? Freud. I don't know if you've heard this before, but Freud did not like people. even though he's in the business of helping people. His view, I mean, he was known to be saying people are trash. They don't change. In our secular worldview, our neighbors, I mean, we're being told over and over again, we're just, humans are just sophisticated animals. We have to give in to our desires. I love what I love. I am who I am. I can't change that. But what the gospel comes along and says, yeah, you, you need to change. There's something wrong with you. There are things that need to be put to death. But God is at work to change you. And because he is at work, you will change. And that hope of transformation is available to anyone who believes. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, how educated you are. If you are in Christ, Christ is in all and is all, which gives hope for any human being who comes to faith in Christ, that God will work in you, all right? So be encouraged. This is, this is the first point. This is what God is up to. He is changing us into Christ's image. God will change you as you tap into the resources the gospel gives, as you learn to live with Christ as your life. Now, second point this, this goes back to the beginning in verse 5. Be killing sin. Be killing sin. Put to death what is earthly in you, he says. Right? We are being changed. We want to restore, rejoice in God's sanctifying and renewing grace. But the reality is I can't change, you can't change without dying. Without dying to some of the things that we want. We want. Right? So that, that's verse five. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. So this is the idea. Right? I mean, you can, you can read Colossians 3, but you can see the connection. Paul wants you to connect Jesus' death once time for all for your sins, that is done and accomplished. But now your everyday reality is lived by faith in that cross, which means there are things here on earth that you have to die to. You have to die to your own self once. You get to join in to Christ's suffering, I could put it that way, by saying no to what is harmful to yourself, to others, and offensive to your creator there's There's a sense where you you are you and I are putting to death the old ways of living before we met Jesus. Right, you got two lists here. We could spend a long time on on the little pieces of the lists, but they're just trying to describe generally what was life like before you knew Jesus. All right and the first list are your desires going crazy. That's verse five. Sexual immorality, covetousness, evil desire. Idolatry. Idols or idolatry is simply a God substitute, something you love and live for other than the God who made you. An earthly thing that you love in the place of God, a God substitute. And that has resulted in all kinds of crazy behavior. Then you got another list uh, about anger. That's verse 8. Anger, malice, wrath, slander. Obscene or, or abusive language. And uh, we could take a long time to dissect this list, but just think of it this way: There are two ways to summarize what's wrong with me: my, my idolatry and my anger. It's a great summary of what's wrong with me and what's wrong with the world. I love the wrong things too much, and because of that, I get angry about all the wrong things. And it, it just it works its way out. And causes all kinds of breakdowns in my life. So we need to put those things away, put them to death. And so let's let's look at idolatry. I think this is helpful. We we as Christians, uh, as followers of Jesus, are called to put away other loves. We're called to put away, put to death, idolatry. Right. And every one of those words in in verse five, they're all connected to your loves, to your desires. Just telling you what idolatry is all about, right? So, covetousness, I want. It's a great I want word. It's connected to to greed. Um, sexual immorality. Uh, sexual immorality. The word there, pornia. It's it's like a junk drawer kind of term. It's just used to describe any kind of sexual behavior outside of marriage between a man and a woman. But sexual immorality is connected to your desires, your lusts, your passions, those controlling physical urges that we have. You have evil desires, he describes. And evil desires, I've talked about this before, it's it's all over the New Testament. We have these epithumias, which is a Greek word, and it's just an epic desire a huge desire it's a desire that's on steroids that is consuming you and me right a great picture of this you've all seen the old cartoons where the characters see something they like that either smells they either smell good food or they see a beautiful creature right and, and and their eyes bug out and they just kind of float across the screen towards what they want because they're being controlled by their evil desires they they're, they're they're super desires, they're controlling. And this is Paul's point that our behavior outside of Christ, well, just in general, our behavior as human beings is always controlled by what we love. And because we're sinners, that is called idolatry loving things other than our Creator here on earth too much. And our behavior then is controlled by our loves, by our idols. You see that connection? I do what I want because of what I want. <laughs> so what is God up to right now in the midst of a global pandemic? everybodys I've, I've had conversations about this and we're just wondering what, what is God trying to teach us? And I know what you can say with 100% confidence without sounding weird. According to this passage. God is transforming you to be like Jesus. And you can use this time to see how God is showing you the earthly things that we love too much to reveal to us our idols. Like a divine artist, right? God is chipping away at that, that marble slab of selfishness, trying to make you, mold you, shape you into the image of Jesus. So, if we are commanded here to put to death what is earthly, to put to death our idols, you've got to figure out what your idols are. How do you figure out your idols? Well, they are the things you want, the things you adore, the things you worship, the things you daydream about, the things you long for and live for, the things you cannot imagine life going on unless you have them one one person put it idolatry are the things you think about when you are alone you have not nothing else that, that's one way to, to to look for them sexual immorality right that, that's rooted in idolatry it's rooted in wanting someone to love me here on earth more than anything else but when you do that you put all that kind of pressure on an idol on another human being in marriage or not right? It's going to result in all kinds of disappointment because no human being can live up to that godlike expectation, which then results in bitterness, then results in anger, then results in uh, frustration, and sometimes even a lack and w- of willingness to forgive. All because we want another human being, an idol, <laughs> to be God to us, a God substitute. That's just one example. So, what are your idols? Right, where, what are those things that you love more than anything else? You're precious, these things you can't let go of. Paul is saying, put those to death out of love for Jesus. Out of love for Jesus is love for you. Because, well, it's like my, my child, right? You're wearing Jesus clothes now, so now go out and live like Jesus. But that involves putting off old clothes, the old ways of living. I came across this week, as I was preparing this sermon, um, a great conversation by Becky Pippert. She's a Christian author who loves talking about Jesus with non-Christians, and she describes to a non-Christian what this process of putting off would look like for a particular person that was really helpful. Because it describes how Jesus changes us. He is not content just to change our minds. He's, he's going after the things you love, your, your idols, He, And so she tells a story of how she went to a hair salon and noticed how depressed her hairdresser Theo was. And so I'm going to read this, and this is her writing. It's going to take me a minute, but it's definitely worth it. And just you can insert your own God substitute in this story, right? So this is Becky. She says, as I sat in the chair, I put my hand on his arm. Uh, Theo, are you going to tell me what's wrong? And he looked at me and said, Becky, you are the only customer all day who's even noticed that I'm depressed. And he continued, I've had a partner for several years. To be honest, I cherished and worshipped him. But last week he moved out, and I am absolutely devastated. Since you are a Christian, are you going to tell me our relationship was doomed because I'm a homosexual? Becky took a deep breath, and she said... Oh, Theo, I am so grieved to see you in this much pain. And actually, I think the issue you are struggling with is deeper than your sexual identity. In fact, I have a straight friend, Anna, who just told me the exact same thing. She met the love of her life and was certain that their love would heal them both. But he recently left her for another woman and is now clinically depressed. And yet what I find interesting is that you both told me that you worship your partners, which is very insightful. Why is that insightful, he asked. And I told him, because we have been created to love and worship God, we have worshiping natures. Where where we run into trouble is when we try to worship something other than God, when we put something else in God's place. It can be good things or bad things, but God's substitutes will always fail us because they aren't big enough ultimately to build our lives upon. Theo said, that is exactly what my partner told me. He said, I was trying to make him my everything. He even said, I'm not God. I can't possibly meet your need. And frankly, it's exhausting. So Becky said, that is why God's substitutes are seen as sin in the Bible, because we are demanding that they give us what only God can give, identity, purpose, being totally understood and perfectly loved. the Bible even has a a word for it, for God's substitutes, idolatry. And Theo looked at me in astonishment and said, so you're telling me that according to the Bible, my suffering is actually due to the fact that I've been worshiping the wrong thing? Exactly. And Theo, you are not alone. All of us, myself included, have used God's substitutes. All of us have turned from God and tried to run our own lives as if we were in charge the primary reason for all the brokenness around us and in us and i continue we've been created for a relationship with god to live with him at the center of our lives and that is why the christian message is called good news because god loves us and has been seeking us for far longer than we realize but we also need to own the bad news that we have chosen something else in his place Theo responded, what scares me is that what you're saying makes so much sense. That to find the love I've been searching for all my life, I have to get my relationship to God sorted first. But I couldn't come to God, Becky, not after all the things I've done. Becky replied, Theo, the only reason any of us can come to God is because he loves us. Jesus came from heaven and died on the cross for our sin because everyone needs God's forgiveness. There isn't anything we can do to deserve such a gift except to thank Jesus for all he has done for us. Tell him we are sorry for our sin, for our idolatry, and invite him to come into our lives as the Lord. The only reason any of us can come to God is because God loves us. To her surprise, Theo replied, Becky, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for speaking plainly without making me feel judged. Thank you for saying that you also have tried God's substitutes. And thank you for telling me that God loves me and wants a relationship with me when I'm, fe- when I'm feeling so worthless. You've already given me some books in the Bible. I think it's time I start reading them. And that, that illustrates so well how change works, how, how the dynamic of Colossians chapter 3 goes to war against your idols where you experience firsthand what doesn't work and then you see God's love and affection and pursuing and his mercy seeing Christ in a completely different light say I want that because that is certain that is true and that before was destroying me and it hurt God as you own the bad news about yourself that you want the wrong things too much and realize what you have in Jesus is better you're, you're learning firsthand that God's substitutes are lousy lovers. And that gives you the desire to want to put to death, therefore, as Paul says, what is earthly in you. And that's what Becky illustrates, that you kill idolatry by comparing what you had, Christian, with what you have now in Christ. I think the key word is put to death, therefore. Right? Because Christ is your life, therefore, kill your idols. Right? Theo is starting to discover that, but we, we do that. All, we need this reality all the time as Christians. That's how God changes us. As You realize that no idol will forgive you 70 times 7 and more. Right? Jesus responds to our sin, well, as Hosea puts it, His heart recoils with compassion when he sees us not well. No idol will pursue you when you chase after other loves. Jesus' mercy follows you every day of your life because being in Christ is your everyday reality. You are connected to his body. Those things we've talked about in the past. See, we are learning. We are in this process of being renewed where we're saying to earthly things, you are not my life. Christ is my life. That's verse six. On account of these things, God's wrath is coming, and in these ways you once lived and walked in, but now you're not. Paul isn't saying God's going to be angry when you screw up. He isn't saying because of these things, if you don't change them, God's going to smite you. He's saying this is who you were. That's not who you are now. God's wrath is coming. That's something for those outside of Christ who don't know Jesus, you need to reconcile and think about. Now, Paul's describing life as a son of disobedience, of what you were like, what you deserved, with what you now have in Christ. And in Christ, you are being created, renewed in the image of Jesus. And the image is sonship language, which we've talked about, it's saying you're in a different family. You're in God's family now. So you're going to live differently. You have a father who loves you. You have Christ, your king, the beloved son. And now you're being called and changed into the family likeness. If you want to know what that looks like, look at Jesus, who is the image of your creator. Right? We just stopped at idolatry. We didn't even get to anger. So I'm going to save that for when we talk about uh, working the gospel out into our households it's going to come up again right but you want to know what this list is about also we're putting off anger malice slander wrath obscene words and obscene words are literally abusive language the words that you explode in anger that just tear people apart right? but you can consider it this way if you're still trying to figure out your idols your anger your fits of rage, when you want to destroy someone because they're threatening something you love, your idols, right? Your anger helps you see what your idols are. But just look at this. This is the gospel. This is, how, this is even how you work, work out the gospel for your anger. Look at how Paul seamlessly moves from God's wrath is coming, this is what you deserved, but now, having been freed from God's wrath in Christ, put away your anger. I mean, it's all in one sentence, seamlessly. There's God's wrath that is righteous. What about yours that is not? Fits of rage fits of rage, abusive language doesn't look like Jesus, who was gentle and lowly in heart. So Yet the good news, you are being changed. We're part of this, God's global renewal project for humans in Jesus. We're being changed to look like him. God is doing the work, but we're also commanded to identify our idols and to live differently because we have this new identity. Be killing sin, these things that don't look like Jesus. And the last point in conclusion here is This is encouraging, so you're not being changed alone. You are being transformed by grace into Jesus's image. Your desires are being changed. You gotta put to death these idols, but you aren't being changed alone. You're not not a lone ranger trying to figure this out by yourself. If you look at chapter three, every single you in chapter three is plural. It's a y'all, as they say down south, saying all of y'all put to death what is in y'all <laughs> that is earthly. Right? it's God is changing us together. You need an ally. You need allies, plural, in this change project. You cannot change alone. God gives you the church, other Christians following Jesus together. You need someone who's going to love you like Jesus loves you. Someone who loves you enough to say, yeah, that's not okay. I too see that that is not healthy. That is an idol. But I'm going to stay by your side and pray for you until Jesus changes that. And I'm going to stay even if Jesus hasn't changed it fast enough. Because that's how he loves me. The hope, the, the way we are being changed as God gives us one another. This is, this is the wisdom of God's plan, right? Outside of Christ, you didn't play well with others, but now in Christ, you have the resources, the power to live in a new community, a new humanity with other Christians, right? I mean, look at verse 11. After saying, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, verse 11, here in this new humanity, the new image, the new self, here is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. all right, it's, it's Paul saying... This is a new, a new humanity, a new community where you are in this together. You're not separated by different tribes, right? Jew and Gentile. In Christ, you're together. So put on love together. Barbarians. Barbarians were those who didn't speak Greek. Right? Technically, they were outside of the Roman uh, system of civilization, quote unquote. Scythians were a tribe, a kind of barbarian. Uh, so, somebody who, was, uh, who didn't speak Greek, but maybe they were slaves. There, there's some, some uncertainty there. There's a group of people who were two kinds of barbarians. Well, we don't make those distinctions. You have circumcised and uncircumcised, slave and free. Right? You have the, those at the top of the economic totem pole and those at the bottom with no cultural power but in Christ you are one, you are together, being renewed together. The fact that we think it is wonderful that a rich employer could sit down with the Bible with somebody who doesn't have any kind of economic resources, but knows Jesus and be helped by that person because they are brothers or sisters in Christ. Because we think that is good, that's that's just a sign of how Christianized we become. <laughs> right? In the, in the Roman system, that was scandalous. If you were, the whole goal of being pagan was to have power to be above somebody. But to have slave and free together in Christ as family, one, is absurd. Jesus is changing us. He's teaching us how to be human, how to treat one another as the image of God demands. So, this is the good news. If you are in Christ, you have help to change. That is your friends, your family at Hope Church. You need someone else to come alongside you. And and these categories that we use to separate. Those walls have been broken down as God forms us together. That takes work, doesn't it? And that, that's where next week's going to come in about what we need to put on. But what I find really helpful and encouraging as we conclude here and figure out how to put this, you know, that this week we've been seeing all kinds of divisions outside of the church and inside the church. You I know, We've got political divisions in our culture. You've got, uh, everybody has different ideas on the wisdom on how to deal with the coronavirus, and then you've got that horrific tragedy in Minneapolis with George Floyd as as the image of God was knelt on and killed. That was brutal. And what What Paul is saying, right, think about it this way. If you If we are motivated as human beings made in the image of God, if we are obligated to care and respect the the life of someone else God made, someone made in the image of Adam, how much more ought we love and honor the image of God, the image of Christ and a fellow Christian? Someone who too is a sinner that Christ died for. It's, It's seeing your family in Christ as the holiest object you will ever interact with because Christ is in them, and you want to help them change because Christ commands you to. These are commands as you're joined together with these people. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you all. starts to, well, we heard it from Becky Pippert, right? She, too, had God's substitutes, just like the homosexual man she was trying to lead to Christ. We in Christ have different God substitutes that we have made that we need to kill, but we're in this together. How do you do that? You mutually look at the cross. You look at the Christ who died for you. You look at your, your Savior who loved you that much to lay down his life in love to make you well. I like Stephen Charnock. He's an old Puritan. He talks about how we as Christians change together, and there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Everything we said so far is the way you change is to to look at the image of God in Christ and the kindness he has shown and the love you have received and do that, (laughs) right? And so here's Charnock. He says, There's two ways to change. You can try and change legally by the law, or you can change because of the love of the gospel, the love of Christ. He says a legal conviction arises from a consideration of God's justice by itself. But an evangelical conviction comes from a sense of God's goodness. I hear it this way. A legally convinced person says, you know what? I have, when I offended God, when I've done the wrong thing, I have exasperated a power that's like the roaring of a lion. I have provoked one that is the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth, whose word can tear up the foundation of the world. Right? Translation, God is big. He is mad. I better run. He's going to tear me apart like a lion. I'm scared because I've broken the law. But someone who loves the gospel, who is in Christ, who's convinced by the goodness of God in Christ, cries out, I have made furious, I have offended, put it that way. I have incensed the goodness that is like the dropping of a dew. I've offended a God that has had his hand stretched out to me like a friend. My heart must be like a marble. My heart must be made of iron to throw his blood back into his face. You see the difference? The difference is those who are in Christ, who have made Christ their life, who Christ has made his life. You look at the cross and say, God has been so good to me, and when I sin, I've thrown his blood back in his face. I'm offending his goodness to me. That makes me want to change because I know he still loves me. That's the gift we get in Christ. I want to look like him, the one who loved me first, rather than you better shape up or God's going to get you. Right? The, the line of logic all the way through this passage, Right, we're breaking into pieces. Right, is If you have been raised with Christ and Christ is your life and you are seated with the one who loves you, who gave himself up for you, Therefore put to death what is earthly in you. All right, and be encouraged. The one who loved you first, Jesus, is chipping away at the ugly marble to change us together. And so let's trust him together. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we uh, thank you for the goodness of the gospel. when I pray that what is true, and and your words that would go straight to our hearts and what wasn't helpful and wasn't true, we would forget. What we remember most clearly is that you are at work changing us, and you are more patient with this process than we are. And So I pray for Hope Church that we be a place where people meet Jesus, where they see this grace worked out, and that we can learn to help one another to put to death our God substitutes. So do that for us by the power of your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, at this point, I'll ask John, if you will lead us in song. I will get our next song, 10,000 Reasons. Thanks, John. Bless
4: the Lord, O my soul, O my soul. Worship His holy name. And whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before,
2: oh my
4: soul i'll worship your holy name your rich in love and you're slow to anger your name is great and your heart is for all your goodness i will keep on singing ten thousand reasons for my heart I bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Seek like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship you. draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise me. Ten thousand years and then forevermore. Bless the Lord. Holy Name, sing my like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your Holy
2: Name, I'll
4: worship your Holy Name.
0: Well, hear now the benediction. This is a blessing from God. This is the last time for this month. We hear this from Colossians and Isaiah. Now to you who were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, who have now been reconciled to God through the death of Christ, who have been brought into his own presence and stand holy and blameless before him without fault. Go out now in joy and be led forth in peace until we hear the mountains bursting into song before us, And we see all the trees of the field clap their hands, because Christ has returned. So go now as his witnesses. Amen. So I'll say farewell to those on Facebook. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week.